0: i just want to say a quick thanks to everyone who has left a podcast review so far it's been fantastic to see what you guys are making of the podcast and really enjoy reading them rest assured i do read every single one so thanks again and if you haven't left a review yeah, it would do us a massive favor if you would as that would help us grow this community and reach more grassroots coaches who will benefit from these conversations. So thanks again and we really appreciate it. Are you a coach or a parent of an athlete aged 13 to 18? Are they following a structured youth athletic development program or just mindlessly following something from bodybuilding.com or Instagram? Or maybe they used to receive strength conditioning coaching but now it's been removed due to the after effects of coronavirus? Well, I have something for you. I've launched the Athlete Academy online to provide athletes aged 13 to 18 with support in their first steps in their physical development journey. For just seven days until Friday the 18th of September, we're offering founder memberships available. This means you can join for 50% off the usual monthly membership for as long as you decide to stay with us. So instead of £24.99 a month, you'll pay only £12.49 a month. That's less than 50 pence a day. Our first program, Athletic Foundations, was created to help young athletes and their coaches beginning their athletic development journey and is designed to improve their movement, reduce their injury risk, and increase their confidence in their physical abilities. Here's how it works. It's all delivered by our phone app. All exercises, sets, and reps are planned out for you and your athletes. 90 different video demonstrations and written instructions are included for every exercise. Monthly performance habit stacking are included. and Absolutely no specialist equipment is needed. So improve your movement, nutrition and mindset with the Athlete Academy online today. Get hold of your founder membership before it ends on the Friday the 18th of September and increases to the full price of $24.99 a month. For more details, head to our Instagram or Facebook page or head to athleticevolution.co.uk and hit the blog to find your registration link. Welcome to the Athletic Evolution podcast. Today I'm speaking with Helen Collins. Helen is a sport and exercise scientist at the Institute of Sport and Exercise at the University of Dundee. She's currently undertaking a PhD through the University of Edinburgh, investigating resistance training as a strategy to encourage less active and or overweight children to become more active and healthier. During her 17 years at the University of Dundee, she's lectured extensively on the university's sports and biomedicine degree and more recently become module coordinator for a student-selected module on exercise deficit disorder within the medical curriculum. As a Bases accredited sport and exercise scientist and a UKSCA accredited SNC coach, she has delivered applied sports science in performance sport for a variety of sports and athletes. In more recent years, Helen's interest and in work program has refocused on health, specifically on the benefits of resistance training, leading to her current research topic. So welcome to the podcast, Helen. It's fantastic to have you on. Thanks very much, uh, Rob, it's been really nice to be invited
1: along and I'm delighted to come and speak about what I've been up to, so yeah, it's exciting.
0: And a belated congratulations on your new arrival.
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, she's been here a little while now, so <laughs> getting, getting used to each other, but uh, yeah, it's good.
0: It's all, all good fun. So for those who haven't come across you in your research and what you're doing, give us a bit of the backstory. How did you get involved in sport as, a, as an ankle biter, and how has that kind of developed into what you're doing now?
1: so as um when I was growing up, my family were pretty interested in in sports, and um my dad in particular was quite keen for me to be involved in stuff and i never I was never particularly good at anything um I just liked sport, I liked playing stuff, I liked being active, and just enjoyed it um and then I uh, did it as a GCSE did PE as a GCSE. And then on to do it as a level as well and I just really enjoyed the subject um, not necessarily just the practical side uh, the subject really interested me as well and that kind of led me to then want to do it at university so I guess I never when I when I did sports science at uni I never really thought about job or career or it was it was purely a really like this subject it's, it's interesting and that was my my sole driver Um So, yeah, I did um, my undergrad at Northumbria and then did a master's at Sheffield Hallam um, before getting my job at at Dundee Uni, which I've I've been there for 17 years now. So it's uh, quite a long time. I was quite young when I I moved um, up to Dundee and, uh, yeah, started as a sports science officer, which then progressed to being a sport and exercise physiologist, which then progressed to being a sport and exercise scientist. So it has evolved over the years um and changed quite a lot and and now it encompasses kind of combination of different different roles I guess including um the S&C role and the research role which we felt like sport and exercise scientists kind of encompassed a bit broader than what I used to do which was much more physiology based so it has changed a lot over the last 17 years and um the what i was doing at the start working much more in sport and performance and um, and now definitely kind of headed down more of the health and activity route so it's definitely yeah it been, been a lot to keep me engaged uh, over that time and and keep motivated
0: to to develop which has been really good mm. so obviously you've mentioned you know your own enjoyment of physical activity both the kind of theory and the, and getting out and getting moving but what is it that makes you want to share that with other people and, and I guess, understand that more and, and get better in, in doing that? Um, I think when
1: I was younger, for me, the sole reason for being active was was enjoyment, really. I never thought about health benefits particularly or, you know, the, the negatives of, of being inactive. Um, and for me, it was just I liked it. And, and now, as obviously I've got older and learn more and realize how massively important it is uh, from a health perspective. Um, and so I've just seen huge benefits for myself and benefits to the people around me. Um, and I want to try and help, well, help hopefully implement um, strategies to help people become more active and, and, and give them a better quality of life and hopefully prevent disease and, and all the other good stuff so yeah i think it's just really motivating to know that you you can do something that that impact on people's lives in a positive way and i think activity and, and keeping people active is is hugely important and so that's kind of what my motivation is to to work in this area
0: yeah, it's definitely something that I think maybe before, you know, coronavirus, people kind of gave lip service to the, the other benefits, didn't they? People were more worried about weight loss, muscle gain, fat mass, all that kind of stuff. But I think this has really highlighted how, you know, how beneficial exercise can be for your mental health, for, you know, that kind of social isolation, but also, again, disease prevention. So, I think now, although maybe people before were talking about it, but not really giving it as much kudos as, as it required. Now people are probably a lot more open to that message, aren't they?
1: I I think so. and I I hope so. Um, Especially when people were isolating and couldn't get out and that feeling, yeah, of just wanting to be out and be active, um, hopefully has, has made an impact on people continuing to, to want to to be active and and definitely i've found just personally being out and about i've seen a lot of families out on bikes and out walking and probably people that, that maybe weren't active before and um, that have hopefully felt the benefits of it and and going on from this will continue to do so whether or not they will i don't know i guess that's whether the research will tell us um what the impact is of, of COVID and, and how it's affected people's activity levels and mm. obesity and things like
0: that. It's probably helped in Scotland that we had a spell of decent weather where you want to go outside, but I'm not <laughs> so sure come January whether people will have the same motivation. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. Isn't it? It's, it's, it definitely helped with that for people getting out and enjoying, enjoying the nice weather, which yeah, doesn't happen so often.
0: Mm. <laughs> so when it comes to your coaching practice in particular are there any people that have kind of shaped you as a coach or or experiences that have really stayed with you and experienced you in the way you approach coaching
1: um the the key kind of thing that changed the direction of my career to go from more kind of performance to health was um after hearing Avery Fagenbaum um talk it was actually in Edinburgh um uh, took UKSEA workshop uh, talking about the impact of strength training on on the health of children um, and his passion and it was just it was just very inspiring guy to listen to and that just suddenly made me go oh my gosh I can see how um, working in this area could be hugely um, satisfying, um, and and I just took a kind of change of direction from there. And I think from going to, from working with athletic populations to younger inactive kids was quite a big sway wow. in my coaching style. Um, so I'd been so used to working with certain groups to then um, yeah change my delivery it was quite a big learning process for me actually as a coach and I think to start off with um it, it took me a while to find my feet and I, I think it it made me much kind of pro- probably nicer <laughs> <laughs> um, with the, working with younger kids and it was more fun and that brought that side out of me that I didn't I was probably a bit more serious I think before working with athletes and um and you know, I, th- I think the this, this style of session is so different that you have to change. Um, so I think, yeah, that, I think that experience of moving from performance to health in an, in an inactive group definitely um, gave me quite a different perspective on how I coach.
0: Mm. So what are some of the I guess if you were to contrast the two of working with, you know, let's say in inverted commas motivated (laughs) athletic individuals versus someone who maybe is, you know, out of the habit of exercising or at that younger age, what, what's been the shift in terms of maybe, I don't know, your communication, the way you run sessions, what does that look like? That was different. And actually you would, you would think that I would almost say it's almost
1: the opposite in the way that the, Athletic groups I work with weren't necessarily there because they wanted to be there um, they were there because they had to because it was part of their sports and quite a lot of them didn't really buy into it um, and so it's, it's quite challenging um, to get them motivated um, in some of those sessions whereas the kids that I'm working with now are there out of choice um, and they keep coming along because they enjoy coming along so they've got loads of different activities they could choose to do and the fact they choose to come and do our sessions makes a massive difference to the enjoyment in the sessions for all of us um, actually because they are motivated and they want to be there and it's good fun so I think the almost the vibe in the session if that's the right word the kind of atmosphere is 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 different because although you still in a weight room and there is an element of seriousness because it's got to be safe and and you know it's not a messing about and um, but at the same time it's a nice environment and um, because the kids are having fun and enjoying it and i suppose looking back um i could have probably taken more of that to the performance group to you know learning from that experience to to have a different kind of session with the more athletic populations
0: mm. That's really interesting because I know um, obviously there's, you know, the Youth um, Physical Development Centre down in um, Cardiff Met with Roger Lloyd and the, the crew there that obviously are kind of twinning research and, and you know, outreach projects for for younger youth. So is that a similar thing that's happening at Dundee in terms of is that something that's run out of Dundee Uni? Is that something you're doing privately?
1: Yeah, so we are, this, this is kind of quite new. Um, it all started from me doing, doing my PhD and and starting up this new programme. But now, based on after the research project, now it's just carried on and developed um, to have more groups coming in as a consultancy um, programme instead. And so we're hoping that we can use that kind of model to develop further programmes. So looking at the research side first, set up a group, and then move them on into the consultancy programme and then kind of hopefully grow it from there. So we've got lots of ideas of um, what we might look at next to start to grow some of the, the groups that we've got coming in based on um, the success that we've had with, with these guys. Um, and hopefully we can hit some other, other groups as well. So different, uh, different types of kids with, with possibly different conditions that we, we feel that we could maybe benefit them
0: from and doing some strength training.
1: Mm,
0: fantastic so is that an after school or before school program and how, how do kids end up in that room are they recruited or is, there, is it through a PE department how does that work? Um, so yeah so it's an after school program
1: um, that originally it was a research group so we just had one group of kids who were inactive and overweight um, and they were a part of the program and then we asked them if they wanted to continue on, so all of them continued on after the research was over. Wow, that's a um, big that's a big, uh, that's a big yeah. thumbs off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So great that they all wanted to keep going, and also um, beyond that, some of their friends have now come along, and we did a bit more marketing, and we've set up a set, another group. So it's starting to grow. Um, into yeah just an, an after school an club as such um but yeah we're hoping now now the research bit is done that we would maybe um set up a new group and start start the whole process again uh, mm-hmm. and with it. So.
0: that's really interesting because it's a little bit counterintuitive isn't it i had the same discussion with wendy uh, glover a few weeks ago and we we're talking about the athlete leadership program and we we're saying you know every generation i think you know kind of says our kids today are hanging around the street corners you know being you know delinquents and that kind of stuff but actually when you give them an opportunity to do something sometimes they surprise you she's saying you know they're basically inundated with kids who want to sign up to this program of doing community service and learning to coach other people and give back and actually you'd be hard-pressed to find any exercise program where 100% of the participants say we want to keep doing it that's pretty unusual isn't it
1: yeah and i think I think with these kids, um, one of the mums said to me, and I think this really is what it's about, is she said that, you know, she's tried to get her child to try all kinds of activities and he just wasn't interested and she couldn't believe that how engaged he was in it um, and she was like, this is the only thing I've found that he really wants to do and every week, you know, he wants to come and he's really looking forward to it. And um, and I think it's just whether or not that activity suits, suits the, ch- the child. And I think the group that we've got, they've found something for them that they thrive at, they go- they're good at it. And, and they, yeah, are motivated by that because I think quite a lot of activities that they do, if they are inactive and overweight, they're challenging for them. And I think the nature of this kind of programme gives them... You know something that that they can excel at and that really motivates them and you know they feel really good when they come in because they know that they're good at it and you know they're pretty strong kids and they've developed so much that you know that's that's hugely motivating for them so yeah I think I think I'd like to think that we've got it right from the content of what the program is about to help with this kind of child um, I think it, it does suit them And it's often overlooked strength work because of the whole um, issues around, oh, children shouldn't be strength training and all that. Um, It just, you know, with the overweight kids, we'll we'll just get them running. They need to run. They need to move more. Whereas, in my opinion, and and based on what we've found, the, the kids you know, it's not as stressful for them physically. It's not embarrassing. They're not out of breath. They're not the last. They're not, you know, there's no competitive element. It's, you know, it's very empowering for them to come in and be able to lift a decent weight and, and feel good. So I think that's maybe the, the key in, in why that
0: they've continued to do it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I was having this discussion with uh, Andy Taylor just 30 minutes ago on the other uh, another podcast episode, but, you know, that idea of, a kind of sport-based PE curriculum and, and, you know, kids having maybe a lack of enthusiasm for that. But I think potentially a big part of that is, you know, what we'll talk about later, but that competency, you know, why would I want to engage in something that I know I'm not good at, that I know I'm going to look silly at. I know I'm going to be embarrassed because I'm not one of the kids who's great. So it's just eat better for me to sit on the sidelines and, you know, I'm safe here. Whereas actually that's doing that child a real disservice, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And yeah, I think definitely this is a thing about, the the feeling of success um that that drives them to to do it and and even when when i went into the schools i did i did some taster sessions when i was recruiting for my study and and i remember going into a a class and there was um an overweight child in not with their kits and they were just like oh i've not got my kit i'm not doing it i don't i don't want to do sports and I'm like well it's not sports and you don't need your kit I was like so you're just going to join it <laughs> and he did and he, he really enjoyed it and I was like there's not one kid in this class that's not joining in with it um and there was no you know he had no embarrassment or he, the fear of not being able to do it or, or whatever it was that was putting him off so yeah I think there's a big place for this kind of activity um in getting
0: kids moving mm-hmm. Definitely, 100%. So if, if I was going to be a fly on the wall of one of your sessions, what does it look like when the kids come in? What kind of activities are they doing? How long is a session? What, 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 what happens? So it's, it's actually evolved quite a lot compared to, in fact, it's almost unrecognizable compared
1: to what we tried at the start. And I think one of the mistakes that I made at the beginning, just from, from learning about working with this kind of group, was that I tried too hard to make it fun (laughs) as in and I don't mean as in kind of like more games and more I didn't want to intimidate them with weights but then I very soon worked out that they really liked lifting stuff and so I was like okay actually maybe by trying to be too soft the approach and because they were inactive I didn't want to scare them off um once we started lifting stuff it kind of changed, changed the whole way the session was run and their enjoyment was the lifting. And once we were like, okay, so we'll, we'll actually get much more of a, we're going to respect the weight room, we're going to get on the platforms, we're going to have a PV bell, we're going to actually make this more of a you know, proper lifting session and we're not just going to do animal walks and games and, and trying to almost disguise the strength within that I was like, actually no we're going to do proper strength training and as soon as we made that decision um there was quite a, a different a different kind of session and the kids really switched on to it and there was you know far less messing about and it was kind of getting and getting on with it so that was quite a big learning process for me because I didn't expect that I didn't expect them to Um, take to you know deadlifting and squatting and things as much as they did Um, but they love it so I was like great this is actually even better than what what I'd anticipated the the kind of sessions we'd be doing so yeah Um, so yeah they basically come in and lift and lift pretty heavy actually Um, you know for their for their age and their size and yeah they they thrive on it so it's good and they're really very supportive of each other as well so there's a really nice vibe about the place, and and they are always encouraging each other, um, which is, is good. So hmm. yeah, it's evolved. It's evolved a lot over, over the time we've been running it, but I think we've we've now got we've got the program right for them.
0: What ages are these kids that you you're kind of looking at?
1: Yeah, so the youngest is eight, um, and the eldest well now would be 12, 12. So yeah, the, at the time when I did my research eight to ten, eight to
0: ten-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, quite young, but the fact, it's funny, I was kind of, when you described that, I was reminding of Mary Poppins, you know, a spring of sugar helps the medicine go down, but actually they didn't want the sugar, they just wanted the medicine. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely, that is it, yeah,
0: totally. They, yeah. they thrived on the hard graft, so, um,
1: yeah, which was great, it was really good, and and really, I think because they had... think when you started lifting and they had numbers and they had things that they were aiming to lift that was motivating for them whereas when we were doing more body weight type of stuff there's no real goal for them as such Um, and they found basically because they're overweight they found some of the body weight exercises too difficult Um, and so actually when it came to doing things like deadlifts they could lift quite a lot but they couldn't couldn't do a push-up because they just can't take their own body weight. So yeah, actually
0: lifting off stuff <laughs> was much more motivating. So, I mean, I'm guessing you're gonna have a much more holistic kind of uh, philosophy or approach now, but if you were to try and you know, verbalize what your philosophy now is towards, I guess, health and exercise and coaching this group, what would you kind of describe it as?
1: Um, I think, Probably, I think across across the board, I think enjoyment enjoyment is absolutely fundamental. Um, if you can't, if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to come, they're not going to embrace it. Um, and I think that, that goes for everybody and that would go again with the performance kids that I used to work with as well. And that definitely showed if, if they weren't enjoying it, they just weren't engaged in it. And so I think that is number one but you still need to have the kind of rules and respect um due to the nature of the kind of training that you're doing so as i guess as i've just said as in it's not just fun and games enjoyment it's a different it's enjoyment but with that um bit of structure and and things going on that, that helps so yeah don't know if that makes sense
0: no totally I think it's kind of that, that balance of, of fun, but also respect and, and, you know, you're in an environment that has hazards and you need to respect that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't have fun if, if rules are being obeyed. It makes, yeah. makes perfect sense. So yeah. let's, let's dive into some of the research that you've done. I know some of this might be a little while ago, so it might not be fresh off the tip of your tongue. But yeah. let's dig into some of those kind of things that, that you've looked at in terms of maybe not necessarily the, just the physical outcomes for for some of these guys. So I know you put together a bit of a, a review of, you know, the self in youth and, and the effect that training can have. So what were some of the findings of that?
1: And um, the, the biggest finding was that there needs to be a lot more research in this area. And um, there was very limited studies. Um, I think we only had four in the end, um, that, that made it into their meta-analysis, and um, that looked specifically at solely strength training and the impact on different parameters of the self, as we called it as a broad term. Um, but the, from the studies, I mean, to say that there were only a small amount of studies, we still had really positive, um, effects and and, and pretty big effect sizes for some of the outcomes. And I I think it was really an interesting paper, because even though there's not much studies done, when you looked at the meta-analysis, there were, it was really positive impact of strength training on the self and having worked with the kids that I've worked with so far in, in the study that I've done since then, um, it's, it makes a lot of sense that that would be the case and um, what we were saying about that feeling of competency and how empowering strength training is. Uh, it doesn't, it didn't surprise me that that, that would be the case that it should have a positive impact um and and just from i mean we've since we've done these the systematic reviews i've done a, a main study now which has just gone i've just submitted it for publication so we'll, we'll see we'll see if it, it well what happens to it um, but yeah the one of the key things that came out of it was actually just from some of the things that the kids said about how they felt Um, and that to me was like so important you know more important than the stats and the numbers and things because one of them said that they had they felt so much better about themselves that they felt more confident to try not only other physical activities but also just other activities in school so one of them said that I think I can't remember what what the context was, but it wasn't sport related. But she said, "I just feel more confident in myself just to be able to put myself forward to do things." And so I was kind of like quite blown away by that, and, and thought, you know, from her coming along and doing some strength training, it's having quite a big impact on her life. And so, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a it's quite a, a difficult thing to measure in kids um when you're looking at at the self and and obviously when when we've done our study we've looked at a questionnaire um which has challenges within itself and i think actually some of just more the focus group work of of some of the comments from the kids is actually just really really important Um, but yeah i think we, we, we measured quite a few things but i think the confidence side if, if these kids can gain confidence through coming along, then that's gonna encourage them to try more activities. And hopefully, you know, they will then go on to do other things um, and other activity and, and become more generally active, which is what the whole kind of reason for doing this, uh, like doing the PhD study was about, was to try and see if we can not just get them lifting, but get them moving more
0: generally as well. So. Yeah, I think it's quite a key, key mm. Well, it makes a lot of sense, you know, from the stuff you've described so far, like when you think about self-determination theory, first of all, we mm-hmm. talked about autonomy. These kids have chosen to be there. Competence, they're starting to feel pretty good about they're competent at doing stuff. And that relatedness of encouraging each other, ringing the PB bell, you can see yeah. why. There's self-determination theory in action, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you can see why people are having good outcomes and want to come back and 100% of people want to, you know, want to do it again. I mean, that's... You've you've ticked off all the ingredients of self-determination theory, effectively, haven't you? Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. And and I think this that's really important when people are looking at intervention um, strategies to try and get people moving. Um, and and so so many people feel forced to do activity or they don't particularly enjoy it, but they feel they should. And and you know oh, I've got to come do. Got to go out running. I hate it. <laughs> and you kind of, you know, just wonder why people would put themselves through it, uh, and how they don't. And obviously, then they don't stick to it. So, I think what we've tried to do is is come up with an intervention that does, yeah, mo- motivate them and and something that now that they've continued on. I mean, but I mean, obviously, now bearing in mind, I've when did I finish collecting my data? So. It would have been (laughs) not this Christmas, but the Christmas before was when we actually finished data collection for the study. And then that's then obviously COVID changed things a little bit, but they continued on beyond that. And now they're wanting to as soon as they're desperate to come back. So it's quite a long time, especially at a a child's age, to still be motivated to do the same activity.
0: Yeah, that's pretty unusual, isn't it? Like I'm I was kind of I think I was reading uh talent development yesterday actually by Dave Collins and Ina McMahon. They were talking about how, you know, motivation for activity can wane with the kid and and a good way to talk is okay well you can see the term through and at the end of the term you still feel like this but the the fact that you can take someone out of an environment for that long and they still want to go back at that age it's like 10 percent of their life
1: yeah well yeah I, i mean i was kind of almost accepting of you know they at some point they'll want to go and do something else and actually my like the whole point of this was to try and get them to go and try other activities and so I was like I mustn't be offended if they suddenly go I don't want to do this anymore and um, because it served its purpose um but actually yeah they're, <laughs> they're still coming back so um but yeah that's it's really good but I do, I do hope that they are tr- going to try other activities
0: as well as hmm. doing. <laughs> so so one of the other things you've looked at obviously you know there's the the kind of the benefits of the mental side of things alone that in itself you know if there was no physical benefits the mental benefits alone are pretty pretty important but we know there's also those some of those benefits on fundamental movement skills as well so do you want to just speak to a little bit around what you've discovered in the meta-analysis there
1: yeah so um this one was um, a bit trickier because all of the um, studies that we included in this were based on products outcomes so you know how fast you can run how high you can jump that kind of thing as opposed to anything that looked at quality of movement um, which is was kind of one of the key things I was hoping to find was to see whether strength training would have an impact on how well kids can move um, but so, so all of the papers that were included were, were basically performance-based Um, studies. But despite that, um, we we got very large effect sizes and looking at the impact of strength on the the movement skills. So I think this is quite key in in the way that it's not looking at movement interventions to improve movement. Actually, just by getting stronger, they're, they're able to improve their movement skills. And actually, Um, one of the key findings of my study that I did was on movement skills and what we found was um, all the children significantly improved their movement skills um, throughout our strength intervention and that's not having done any movement skills training that's purely from a strength training intervention so That's um, what's hopefully going to be uh, published soon in the paper, but really key finding, I I think, because we looked at the quality of the movement and we found that they could move better um, with with doing a strength training intervention. So I think that is is really key Um, because linked to that, uh, one of the children said that after they did this, they felt that could run better um, and so they found they found running easier um, which for a, you know an overweight and active child i think that's a really positive response from them but um, yeah really good uh, finding that they that that was a big a big finding
0: of us to do was the movement skills mm. and how did you measure that was that like a fundamental movement screen or is that a different kind of battery mm-hmm. Um, so it's called the
1: Camza uh, assessment that we did. So, oh gosh, no, <laughs> the Canadian, yeah. Canadian, Canadian, I've heard it
0: before. Yeah, Canadian, yeah,
1: skills assessments. Um, something that I can't quite remember it. Um, but yeah, so that was basically a, kind of like a course that was set out, and it did um, a different combination of different movement skills, and you were both. Timed, so there was a, a, a speed element, um, but also you were video they were videoed and then scored on the quality of the movements of each of the tasks that they did, and then you had an overall score um, combining how fast they did it and then the quality that they did it so it was really good a really good assessment to use actually um, that that looks at both quality um, and the speed of the the movement as well so Uh, yeah I think and it was really quite even without measuring it it was quite obvious even just watching the kids how better their movement was Mm -hmm. and exploring it you could really see a difference.
0: Mm. Essentially I'm guessing um, I mean it it rings a bell but it's been a while since I've read about it but is essentially almost a bit like an obstacle course is that right am I thinking? Yeah
1: yeah so it's got the the movements in it you've got um, you know there's hopping, there's kicking a ball, there's throwing a ball there's skipping, there's, um, it's like, yeah, moves around, you've got a whole load of different movement things and they basically work their way around the course. Um, but I was really surprised at how to start off with, you know, some of the kids couldn't hop, couldn't even hop or hardly could would be coordinated enough to skip. Um, but when I just kind of went, right, you just hop through here and thinking that they could do it and, and they were kind of like, could barely, because they were, overweight they just weren't strong enough to hop so that was quite an eye-opener um, so yeah so at the end of it when they could all hop through the the things and, and that's not having done any hopping that's mm. just because it got stronger
0: so um yeah it was really positive to see that so, yeah, I mean, you starting to paint a picture now in terms of the, the mental health benefits, the, the movement skills. And then obviously you also had one around the effect on weight status, which I guess is one of the fundamental outcomes when you're working with, with overweight children. So what did you find in, in your meta-analysis and your review there?
1: Um, so, yeah, so the weight status paper, um, we found significant effect sizes for skin folds and body fat, um, which was the, the key finding in that paper. Um, and so the that was obviously really positive because it was saying purely by doing a strength only intervention. So not looking at diets, not looking at any kind of aerobic work. Purely on strength work, um, there was a significant effect on body fat, which um, is, is really key. The, there was the studies within this um, meta-analysis, there was, was just massively Variable. Um, there was loads of different measurement tools, and the the program contents and durations were just yeah quite quite variable. And so again, it was just quite obvious that there needed to be really robust studies looking into this into a bit more detail, um, because I, I'm pretty convinced that you would see. Um, Definitely see effects on on weight if you were to do an intervention, um, a strength based intervention, um, looking at yeah, looking at some of the, some of the measures. But I think it was it was definitely a positive, um, a positive finding that it, it had that effect on the body fat. But I was quite surprised that there was no effect on um, lean muscle mass, which I would thought that would have been the reason of the the body fat. But then what we were probably suggesting was that purely because they were coming in and and moving uh, and being active and burning burning calories is probably why there was a decrease in in body fat as opposed to an increase in in muscle um again a lot of the programs were maybe more kind of muscular endurance rather than you know um, strength training as such and yeah just a big variation in the how, how long they were running for and how long the sessions were and things. So I think so I think that just needed to be yeah if there was more tight tighter studies I think we would probably see more of an impact if we were looking at kind of a bit of a heavier lifting Not none of the stud- hardly any of the studies included were you know some you know heavy lifting mm-hmm. it was more
0: yeah more kind of a lot of circuit based stuff and things like that Hmm. So one of the things I'm always really aware of when you're working with young kids is that you kind of, unlike other scenarios, you actually have kind of two stakeholders that you? you've got the kid that you've got to get buy in from, but also the parents who want to, you know, come and sign up and, and get the kid involved. So, you know, you've already touched on a little bit, but I'm guessing you, you would have had a fair bit of feedback from parents throughout this process, whether that's having to combat some of the myths around, you know, youth strength training or just feedback of some of the positive Kind of comments so give us a bit of an insight into you know what sort what's the the general feedback from parents been who've had kids involved
1: um actually when i when i was doing the recruitment process i was actually really heartened that the parents were they supportive of it and I didn't really feel like I had to convince them um I mean I did I did a session with them and I talked about all the benefits and how it was safe and everything but they were just kind of like nodding as, along as in like yeah yeah that's fine like I didn't have anybody to say "Oh, you know I'm a bit worried about them lifting they, they were all really quite into it which was um surprising actually I thought I would have had a lot more discussions around um yeah trying to convince them that it was a good thing um so yeah so really supportive from the parents and i think actually once the children have been involved the parents then they've been a huge advocate of it and um, they've come back to say how much their child's enjoying it and they come back come out and they're buzzing and they're telling them all about it and how good it is and um and so the parents are, are definitely on board and, and they're then telling their parent friends and, and, and things like that so i think if you can i mean obviously it's with this kind of activity the parents have to be on board um and so you know we're <laughs> going into schools possibly and, and speaking to um when, when we went in to do our taster sessions it became apparent that I didn't actually recruit that many children from the taster sessions because it was the parents that I needed to get on board not the kids mm. uh, and so actually once I then did um, a kind of parents evening type idea the parents that came along were already I think already invested in it um yeah I mean I'd seen when I did my taster sessions I think I saw 440 children (laughs) Um, across the schools in the local area and my uptake for my my study I think it was like 0.5% or something um, from those taster sessions and it was actually through the parents that that I, I got the recruits so yeah, that was an interesting one from a bit of, well, it wasn't a waste of time because it told me, it told me that to put all that effort in to go and deliver all those taste decisions at schools wasn't the way to to go to to recruit them because the kids,
0: yeah, it wasn't the kids I needed to target. That mm-hmm. yeah, is interesting. So I guess one of the, the big kind of question marks going forward in the future is, you know, as we're coming out of, I hope we're coming out of the coronavirus yeah. pandemic is like, We find ourselves in a bit of a situation where we we know PE delivery wasn't great to start with in terms of being very you know um, sport games based rather than movement based and we know you know it's kind of being slashed all the time and cut back and kids are lucky if they get an hour of PE a week sometimes and now in this current I guess the zoom generation they'll probably end up being called um, you know (laughs) delivery is going to be even more affected. so how much how important do you think these topics are now that you've looked at in terms of the effect of training on self-esteem on on movement skills and on on weight status
1: yeah i mean I i think it will be very interesting to see um what research comes out of this and and the impact that covid has had um on children and their activity levels and yeah, I, th- I think it's going to... Well, it's that combination of what we are saying about whether or not they've been out and about more and generally been more active because they're just kind of bored and, and doing things compared to um, not having any structured activity as such. Um, but, yeah, I can imagine that it's probably not gone not that way. Um, definitely, I think there'll be... Um, an issue with obesity levels, um, and hopefully, in a in a way, it will will push to get more more research and interest into into the area. Um, and I think looking a bit broader, I mean, obviously, there's been talk of you know strategies to try and get people out and about more. But I think what we're showing with our research is that um, that that strength training is is an option of of something that could be utilized to get people um, moving. And it it doesn't necessarily mean um, going into a gym, although what we're doing obviously is is a kind of supervised, it needs to be a supervised type of session. And that has implications moving forward for types of things you can deliver. Um, But I think, I mean, there's a big um, push to start looking at this kind of things in schools as well, and, and doing strength type work with the kids, and and obviously that's now looking to to grow a bit as well. So, yeah, I think more than ever we need to be looking at different, I guess a different menu of options of activity um, for kids, so that they find that one thing that that they enjoy and inspires them, and it's not necessarily a case of have to do this kind of activity or that's the best kind of activity it's actually what what can you do that's going to um, give them something that they'll consistently keep doing uh, rather than just pushing to do stuff because the research says you know research says that they should be out cycling or whatever you know it's i think we've got to give options um so yeah i think there's a lot there's a lot of research that needs to be done or or practice taken forward based on the research to say you know these these are the kind of things that that kids can do and um, do safely as well
0: and um, yeah and trying to get them healthier mm, definitely so for those people who are, I guess kind of peaked the interest of, of what you're doing in research wise. Are there any resources? I mean, obviously I assume you probably have a, well, you do have a research gate profile because that's where I found your, your journals, but what other areas or resources would you point people towards to kind of go down that rabbit hole?
1: Um, obviously looking just at youth and strength would be um, UKSEA position statement um, on youth S&C, which is uh, really helpful um, just to look at the benefits of strength training and guidelines on, on actually delivery. Um, as uh, looking at Twitter, for example, there's um, Strength Lab is a good one to follow, um, which looks looking at applied practice, working with kids and strength. Um, in a, and it's a superheroes theme, which is always good. And it's a really you know well-respected program with lots of good information on there. So that would be somebody to follow. Um, on Twitter if you're looking for more of a social media angle and
0: um, so yeah that would be mm. yeah easy. no we had Simon on I think one of the first couple episodes and I, I love what he's doing his program I think he's just tapped into the brain of kids going do you know what you already want to be a superhero let's let's just yeah. slip some things in there and actually suddenly you're training and you're just having fun um, yeah so yeah no, he's he's great So I know you're obviously coming, as you kind of mentioned previously, into the the final furloughs of your uh, PhD. So where can people find out more about you and about your work as you're starting to to continue doing that? Um, Yeah, so ResearchGate is probably a good place to see where we're getting things published.
1: Um, And probably on my Twitter would be where I would put most things about what's going on with the programme and the research side. So, yeah, I'd say that would be the... Mm-hmm. key places to look and, and what's your Twitter handle if people want to look it up and um, it's just at Helen underscore Collins one
0: nice and easy to remember <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <That's it. Yeah. laughs> fantastic brilliant yeah. well Helen it's been such a pleasure talking to you and I really love what you're doing and you know I know we've reached out a few times and um I really just think what you're doing is great in terms of adding to the evidence for for youth strength training but also making a difference in in the lives of kids who as you say might be put off from the kind of conventional sports and exercise so keep doing what you're doing and and yeah more power to you.
1: Thank you very much for your time that's been really good to, to chat and and remind myself what my job's about now I'm back doing it so <laughs> it's all good. <laughs>